We are in the final days of February and the glow on the face of one of my guests today from an event that took place in early January is still evident. Hi, I'm Mark Weinstein and today on the program, I am talking with Jenny and Bob Zerniak about a project they undertook in the village of Cedarville that runs deep in American history. But I'm also going to talk about a topic that causes their home to be divided at least once a year, and that's the rivalry football game between Jenny's beloved University of Michigan and Bob's affinity with Ohio State University. Besides the game, as we know it here in the Buckeye State, Jenny serves as Assistant Director of Career Services at Cedarville University, and Bob has worked in general contracting. Both graduated in 1992, Bob with a degree in business management, and Jenny in elementary education. Great to have you here today. Thanks, Mark. Hey, thanks, Mark. So for people who are not familiar with college sports, let's begin with a very serious topic. The fans from Michigan and Ohio seem to take their favorite teams very seriously, probably too seriously. What, what's it like in your home when your two favorite college football teams meet in November? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, yeah, so it was a really fun time to about three years ago, Mark. Oh, really? And, what happened then? <laughs> I, th I think you know. I do know. <laughs> so, yeah, we watch it together, and uh, we have four children, and unfortunately, three of them followed their mom and, and root for Michigan. Smart kids. And I That's have right. one one smart girl that, that goes my way. But, yeah, we have a ball. We we banter back and forth all year, and when the big game comes, uh, have a great time. And I'd say for 10 years or so, I was in great shape, but last three years, I've been taking a beating. Well, yeah. actually, I think, Bob, probably, uh, for 20 years, I think you had the, the better end. <laughs> yeah, you're right, right. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. But um, my kids aren't old enough to remember that. I keep reminding them, but okay. they don't seem to care. So it, The year uh, the tables turned, Bob happened to be at the big house, yeah. and he got to witness the Wolverines take over Ohio State. Yep. That was 2021. Always wanted to go, and that was my first <laughs> year, and we got destroyed. So uh, not a good introduction to the Ohio State-Michigan in-person thing. I, I remember it well. So um, I know there was a spell several years ago when Ohio State won most of the football games. We just talked about that. About 10 to 15 years, uh, they beat Michigan in football, even though Michigan owns the all-time winning record against the Buckeyes. I believe it's been at least five years since Ohio State has defeated Michigan. Now, partly that's because of COVID. So, Jenny, are you the kind of person who makes Bob aware of this trend, especially after Michigan won the National College Football Championship this past year? Yeah, I mean, we, we the tables were turned. I finally got my chance to do what he's been doing all these past several years. But honestly, <laughs> Bob and I, we love the back and forth. We can sit through every game together with our family we don't go to separate rooms. We just sit there and enjoy the game and, you know, still love each other at the end of everything. Well, that's the needs to happen because it's just a football game at the end of the day, exactly. right? I'm curious, back to what you said a little bit ago, Bob, that you have one daughter who went astray. So how did she <laughs> decide to follow you in Ohio State? I'm not sure because there was a lot of pressure uh, from, of course, Jenny and then her, my daughter, Chloe, her grandparents, Jenny's folks, uh, kind of ingrained Michigan in, into her, but... I, I tried to buy her a lot of gear, Ohio State stuff, and uh, she would always sit by me during the game, and she uh, she saw the all the winning that was going on a few years <laughs> back and, and enjoyed it. So I think that swung her. The, the other three, I'm not sure what mom did, but they, they couldn't be persuaded to yeah. come my way. So I actually, just today I picked up some gear uh, on campus, 
I love it. So what, what is this? Uh, 2023 hey, I, hey, national. Full disclosure chance. here. I had no idea I was going to get grilled about the, the last three years when when we uh, when I signed up for this, but. Uh, <laughs> I guess you got snookered a little I know. bit. I had my good year, so I'll take it. There you go. So speaking of the national championship, and this will be my last question on on Michigan and Ohio State, and we'll get to more serious topics. There were a couple of, at least for me, there were a couple warm moments in the game. And the first one was when John Harbaugh came along the sideline at the very beginning of the game. The game was in, in action, and he went up to his brother Jim, the head coach at Michigan, and they saw each other, they hugged, briefly talked, and then Jim went back to the game. That was one. The second one was after the game, after Michigan fairly easily beat Washington to win the national championship, Jim was seen on camera bear-hugging his mom and dad. Now, I talked to Jenny about this after the game, and she said you rolled your eyes and like, that was no big deal. <laughs> what, what was that all about? I mean, don't you have a little bit of humanity and show the-, the I do. The, I do. You know, I, I, I do appreciate the, the Harbaugh's and their, their compassion, the whole family- and their their uh, their love for the game, and uh, it was it was a neat moment. I was yeah. I guess just a little bit bitter uh, looking my wounds at that time. He just doesn't admit it to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> so yeah, no. I think Harbaugh's. It's it's fun to watch the back and forth between the brothers. Let's move the conversation uh, really to what you do on a daily basis here at Cedarville University. You work in career services. So what's your role in career services? How do you help students take that next step? Yeah. So um, my role is I am associate director, as you mentioned, and yep. resume coordinator. So I have a couple of certifications in resume writing, and I go into classes, hold workshops, um, go off campus and talk to students about putting together their resumes, cover letters, personal statements for grad school, and lots of other things. How long have you been doing that? This is my seventh year. Seventh year. So mm -hmm. as I said in the introduction, you were an elementary education mm -hmm. uh, major. I assume you didn't think you were going to be in career services. D no. did, did you teach? Do any of us end up doing what we started doing? I mean, it's this guy. I see this all the time. Yes, I did teach. I taught for the first, I taught for five years and then ended up still teaching, but homeschooling my own children for, I think, 15 years. So I taught and stayed home, homeschooled our four kids. I taught in, in New Carlisle. So I taught first grade, second grade, and fifth grade. And what did you like about teaching? I love kids. I, yeah. I love children. I love to watch the lights go on. I think it was also a ministry, um, just, you know, just to share the love of Christ and however I could as a teacher. Yeah. I would assume, even though you're doing something a little bit different, it's really similar to teaching the college students to prepare their resume and whatever. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. I was petrified when I first got this job as resume coordinator because I knew I'd have to go in front of college students that I'm used to, first, second, third, fifth grade students, and I love it. They're really not that different. And and I love, I just, I love to educate. I love to, you know, see progress in my students. And it's really neat to, to share with them different things about, you know, the job search process. Yeah. And one thing you say about they're not really that much different than first, second, third grade. I mean, they're more educated, obviously, mm -hmm. but they're very polite. Yeah. And I think that's what a, a young child would be like. And they do want to learn. I feel like the information that I'm able to share with them is valuable. Okay. And, and I think they, they take that to heart. So what, what were the circumstances that led you to getting out of homeschooling and coming in to work at Cedarville? I think uh, we our last child was like fifth, sixth grade, I think. Fifth grade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We started looking at, you know, the possibility of Cedarville, just because big reason was our kids probably would end up going there, and even just the the tuition remission, I think. So 
that kind of got me started and in, in looking for a position. I started out at the Cove, actually, and worked part-time for the Academic Enrichment Center with uh, under Kim Algram there, and then went to a full-time job with Jeffrey the following year. Okay. And Bob, you've been in construction work most of your life? After I graduated in, uh, actually graduated in 93, right. um, I was in okay. a partnership with a guy up in uh, West Liberty, Ohio, for a couple years. And uh, Jenny and I had been married for a couple years, and uh, we decided to um, start a family. And we, I didn't have insurance, so uh, I, I went to work for, for Lowe's okay. for several years. Okay. And I worked for, for them for about 13 years, and that all ended in 2005. So um, I had a construction background. Mm-hmm. I worked uh, four years in college construction and then two years afterwards full-time with, with a guy that basically taught me everything from the footer on up. So I, I got my hands on, on all different aspects of, of residential construction anyway. And so when uh, my job at Lowe's ended, I set up, uh, we, we moved back here to Cedarville in 2006, hung my shingle out and Phone started ringing, and, yeah. and we, we did that for till uh, about 2021. Okay. And then we, we we bought a big project here in town and, and decided to put my efforts towards that full yeah. time. What were some of your biggest projects that you did work on before you got into your current work? Right. I'm a small guy, and we, we had three or four guys working with us. So it was mostly residential. We, we, we built a few homes. We did uh, a lot lots of additions, kitchen, bathroom remodels, just basically any, any anything related to the house. But you talked about a, a, a big project that you've undertaken, and that is restoring a former schoolhouse that I believe was built in the late 1800s. When and how did this idea come to fruition? I mentioned a minute ago, we moved back in 2006. We bought the house that was two doors down from, from the old schoolhouse. And there was an older couple lived there, Carl and Margaret Foyt were their names. We had them over to the house. I remember having a picnic in the backyard and, and got to know them a little bit. Not too long after that, they started developing some health problems. And we, we volunteered our, our family and our kids to, to help with, with any, you know, just basic needs that they might have. And so th- for the next several years, we helped with, you know, shoveling snow. The kids would go down. They'd go help get groceries with, with, with Margaret if she needed it. Anything happened in the house, I'd go help them fix. We just kind of would just help out as needed. But it was my first chance to really look at their and, and see their property. And it's just a, it's a beautiful little setting right on Massey Creek. And in the back of my mind, I always thought if I ever had a chance to redo that property, I, I would love to do that someday. Mm-hmm. 2020, uh, Margaret became ill. Uh, Carl had died probably 10 years previously. Okay. And I was approached by the only heir and she asked if I was still interested in maybe doing something with the property. And, um, we, we came to terms and we owned an old schoolhouse. How did you guys together as a married couple work through that process? Yeah. Well, at first I was like, oh my goodness, we were still finishing up the 69 Bridge Street house, which is a couple doors down. We had just put on an addition and that was taking a while. And then Bob wants to buy another project, which really is the story of my life. We've flipped houses for years and years and he always ends up getting his way anyway. So I knew I knew we were going to buy the owners of a schoolhouse. So yeah. what started out is I, I asked him, how long do you think it'll take? And he said a year. And I said, I bet it takes three years. And I was right. Mm-hmm. How, how long years. has it taken? It's three years. Yeah. Our first day we worked on it was uh, New Year's Day, January, uh, January 1st, 2021. So but it's it, not done yet. No. No, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's close. It's changed directions, though. Mm-hmm. It, it, it evolved. 
Um, and a lot of obstacles. Yeah. It, it, the last three years, there's been a lot going on personally after our lives with, with parents and, and, and that kind of a thing. So yeah. what, what we originally were going to do, we had to sit down and basically rethink everything to make it, yeah. to make it work for what we were hoping would be a place for uh, my mom to come live in. What were some of the obstacles that you guys faced throughout the process? Mm-hmm. The first big one was just getting the permits for the place. When we bought the place, it was just a one one story house, and I was right. wanting to put a a second story in it. And um, the uh, inspector service didn't see how I was going to be able to take a building built in the eighteen seventies and structurally make it work to to add a second floor. So there was a I failed five times with with <laughs> permitting. Really? Yeah, yeah. They failed me five times, and after the fifth time, I actually went to their offices and had a sit down meeting with them and. and Asked, what do I need to do? I, I had five different sets of drawings. They failed each one. And they finally told me that if I would uh, get a structural engineer to put his stamp on it, and that they would approve the plans for me to add a second floor and the other things I wanted to do. So that's what I did. And um, that whole process took probably six months to get through. After we got through that, that's when COVID and everything really hit hard. And our budget that we thought we were going to work with, materials went up three, four times what, what I originally thought they were going to be. So uh, the, the financial ended up, end of it uh, changed a lot for us, too. And things took yeah. way, way longer. Trying to get mm-hmm. supplies. To get supplies. And, yeah. and oh, the, mm-hmm. Months simple, and months for things, things that normally things, take a couple uh, weeks. A, a meter box that you normally would take three weeks to get took 14 months to get. Flooring for the second floor that we had milled, we were told three months, and that was another 14-month wait time Mm -hmm. on that. Certain components for HVAC and electrical systems you couldn't get. So it was just a lot of hurry up and wait. Now for me, I'd get frustrated (laughs) Mm -hmm. and antsy, but how were you able to work through those delays from a faith perspective? I was reading recently and I'd heard this before, but I just thought I'd do a little research. I saw, I read that I think 40% of couples that build, have a project together, like a remodel or they're building a house say they wish they wouldn't have done it once it's all over. And I think 17 to 20% of couples actually divorce. I mean, it's just a big deal. And when you have all these obstacles and setbacks, and we didn't even mention all of them, that's that's hard. So I think I think us, for us, I Bob has a great track record. I mean, we've done this multiple times and we know what it's like. We know there's going to be setbacks and and he is probably the most optimistic, idealistic, patient person that I know. And so I kind of feed off of that. Okay, he says it's going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And you were, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and uh, my my father at the beginning was helping a lot with the project. Mm-hmm. It was it, we had a great time together. And uh, dad was 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 such an encouragement because uh, you know Jenny says I'm a patient person, which I, I tend to be. But I, I I would get frustrated. I would get down about uh, this or that. And and dad would would make a comment like, uh, you know, Bob, the Lord gave you this house. He's going to let you complete it. So. Mm-hmm. It's all in his time. So it was mm-hmm. it, all in perspective. Losing him had to be hard, not just to know that he's passed, yeah, but to be part of this process oh, and, yeah. and, and to see the completion. Yeah. We used to joke, I don't know if it was, if it was our project or dad's. He, mm-hmm. Dad always loved a project. Growing up, we always had little family businesses and did all kinds of things. And so, so dad, when I bought it, he was all in. He was there just about every day and uh, he would do anything. In fact, the day before he passed, the back of the house, there's a sunroom now. And I, we, dad and I drove to Indianapolis to a house that they were tearing down and we salvaged all the old floors out of the house. And the day before dad passed away, we actually finished laying the old, the old floor. Right. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a great time. And uh, my brother and sister, when he passed, 
uh, I remember my brother saying, I, I, I'm jealous of the time that you and dad had because you, yeah. you, you became, he wasn't just your dad. He was, he was my best friend. And yeah. we, we had a great time. And for our listeners, his passing was very unexpected mm-hmm. and had to be a shock. I'm sure at least that room is going to have extra special meaning for you oh, because yeah. of the work with your dad. Yeah. yeah, it does. In fact, we, we call it dad's room. There's a picture of it. We when After he passed, we were going through his uh, uh, personal effects, and we found a picture of dad when he was 15 years old. He was a paper boy in Hammond, Indiana, mm. and he won a trip to a a, a camp. And the, the picture is dad, dad always was a catcher in baseball. It's a picture of dad catching and the guy swinging the bat. It almost looks like a Norman Rock- Rockwell mm. kind okay. of a setup pose. Yeah. So Jenny had that blown up and get, gave it to me a year ago mm-hmm. Christmas. And so that's hanging in, in dad's room now. That's so. a special memory. Yeah, for Mark, sure. all of our parents were in Cedarville. Like Bob's parents originally from Indiana, mine from Michigan. But over their, the last 10 years or so, they all came yeah. to town. So we've had a real close relationship with them and our grandkids and and their grandkids. Within those three years of beginning to ending on the house, we went from four to to one. I mean, within three years or within those three years, we lost three of our parents, our parents with Bob's yeah. dad being first and then right. your mom and then my dad this past August. So, so that, that took a lot of our time too with, with yeah. the, the house thing. Right. We had to put that on hold at times and take care of mom and dad and, and, and make sure they were okay. Not only the timing and the delay, but the hard anguish right. to mm-hmm. work through it. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know how you lose three parents in that shorter period of time mm-hmm. yeah. at all yeah. and still mm-hmm. keep moving forward. Yeah. But the Lord's giving you the strength to yes. do so. Mm-hmm. He has. Yeah. And a sweet story. My father had Alzheimer's and he died this past August, but he would come over. We'd bring him over to the schoolhouse while we were working on it. And mm-hmm. he'd walk in and, and we'd tell him, you know, this is ours. We're restoring this old schoolhouse. And he would get so excited we take him to the back where the creek was and he would just you're redoing this schoolhouse and yeah dad and then he'd come the next week and mm-hmm. you're redoing this school i mean it was the same story, same story. every week he yeah. got just as excited it was fun to watch him mm-hmm. yeah. so will you use that mother-in-law suite still or is, is that still in the plans we actually moved into it the middle of last summer and finished up the interior of the schoolhouse so we used it for six months and then uh for the first time, we had all the kids home here for the holidays, so it's great extra space. We're not exactly sure what we're going to do with it down okay. down the road, but um, yeah, we've thought about maybe being being it out a little bit or mm-hmm. using it uh, for somebody that might have a need. We, we don't know. We're yeah. kind of just we're open. Yeah, we're open to it. How old are your children? We have twenty seven, twenty five, twenty one, and nineteen. And where do they live? Uh, Jack and Claire are freshmen and juniors here at Cedarville this right. year, third generation. Uh, both of our parents graduate. All four of our parents graduated from Cedar Hill. So Bob and I are second generation. We have a couple of third generation, and then our oldest son Sam has uh, three little ones. He's in Fort Wayne, Indiana, okay. and our daughter Chloe is in Ocala, Florida, with one little one. So I we're see. grandparents to four four babies. Fun. You look so young to be grandparents. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what intrigued me about your story when I first heard about it from Jenny was about the for- the schoolhouse. That is, I'm under the impression that it was. At one point, it was a safe haven for maybe slaves or children of slaves coming through the Underground Railroad. Is is any of that possibly true, whether you know it for sure or not? It was interesting. Doing all the work for the last couple of years, especially when we were gutting it, had probably half a dozen people that had lived there through the years. And I, I had a gentleman stop by the first year we had it in 21, and he remembers as a kid, he said, I think he was late 60s, 68, 69 years old when he stopped by. He remembers... His grandparents lived lived there at the time, and they had done a bunch of remodeling, 
and inside the walls of one of uh, uh, they tore out a wall that, that had been in there they they actually found some shackles whether that has really? anything to do with slavery yeah who knows um we've tried to do some research on the house we can't find any direct link that it, yes this definitely was part of of maybe an underground railroad stop we don't know we do know it was a, a school that was for african-american children back in the uh, late 1800s and um it got placed where it was because Bridge Street back in the late 1800s had the only bridge in town. So the one on 72 didn't exist. So mm-hmm. to get across Massey Creek, you had to come down Bridge Street. So they put the they put the school building right there on the creek because it was the closest point where kids from both sides of the creek could get to the school. Okay. So you, you mentioned the shackles, but there were other treasures that you found in the house. What, what were some of those? Yeah. You know, beside the snakes and squirrels snakes. And, and wild animals. <laughs> what, wait, 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 what kind of snakes? <laughs> Actually, I'll show you a picture sometime. The real tall, like five, six foot snakes. Yeah, so I was I was down uh, doing some work on my hands and knees, and I uh, right at floor level, and I looked up, and there was a snake, literally six inches from my nose. He had crawled up into a cavity in, in, in the wall, and I don't know if he scared me more than I did him, but he, he took off down into the crawl space. So I, I ran around the house down underneath, and I he was scurrying away on the back end of the schoolhouse, and I caught him and brought him out and, and brought him up to take a video. Jenny, Jenny was in the house there, and I could step on his tail, and, and his head was above mine. So I'm, I'm roughly six foot tall, so he was a good six and a half foot long. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what kind he was. We, uh, we took some video of it. Jenny screamed a little bit, and then— uh, <laughs> <laughs> we released them on the other side of the creek. That's very kind of you. <laughs> I think I would have done something similar, right, maybe even right, worse. Right. Yeah. So the, you found snakes, and but what other treasures? Coolest thing that we found was definitely, we took we basically took down every existing wall, and we're left with just the shell of this the original schoolhouse with the 25-foot ceilings. We were tearing down one of the walls, and we came across the original chalkboard in the schoolhouse. And we were so excited. We have pictures and videos to document that. And one day I'm going to do a blog or something. Because sure. everybody, so many people ask, when are you going to share this with the world and yeah. all these things? So that's my plan one day when I have a little more time. Um, but the original uh, chalkboard, there was an area on it where it two school children had signed their names, uh, Bert and Freddie. Bert Iliff, yeah. Uh-huh. Iliff's an old Cedarville name. Is yeah, it? we yeah. did a little research on that. And they carved in 1889 and seed, C-E-D period, Ohio. So yeah. we know the school's at least that yeah. old. And, and beside their names, they actually etched, there's a drawing of the schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. So when you so, say etched and it's embedded in it, it's not chalk. It's actually right. no. yeah, so right. they, the, carved. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, the old mm-hmm. chalkboard was actually just painted plaster on top of the lath. So okay. it was very brittle, Black. very fragile. So I, I was able to take a saw and cut it out. And then I um, took that and actually glued it to a, a um, piece of plywood so it would stay stable. And we're going to uh, we're gonna frame it and put it right back in the same spot that we cut it out of it, which now is the bottom of a landing of a stairway. What's the uh, framework of the house? So, yeah, when we bought it, the, the square footage uh, was roughly about 1,200 square feet. Okay. The original ceilings in the house were 13 and a half feet tall. And then up in the attic, I crawled up in there from the ceiling uh, joist to the peak was another 11 feet. So we did some math and, and uh, was able to reframe it and make room to add a, a complete second story. So now the old schoolhouse is roughly uh, 2,400 square feet. And we added a breezeway to the old garage and right. then 
um, the, the new builds beside mm-hmm. that. So, How tall are the ceilings? So now uh, the ceilings downstairs are nine and a half feet tall, and the ceilings upstairs uh, at their high points are nine feet high. So there's a lot of room in there. Yeah. People, when they come in, are surprised at how much room there is. Because and, and, yeah. from the road, uh, it doesn't look that big, but it's it, it, there's quite a bit of room yeah. in there, and the height just makes it look a little bit bigger. It does. So with the completion of this project soon, relatively soon, Mm -hmm. what brings you the greatest satisfaction? Yeah. So I I guess for me, of course, I've always liked the project, like Jenny mentioned, but my my favorite time was, it was the last time I was able to spend with my dad. Yeah. And so great memories of that. Um, I I think we definitely learned, we learned a lot of patience along the way and uh, things didn't go our didn't go our way. We uh, would encourage each other. Jenny was very encouraging through the whole project. So I, I definitely couldn't have done it without her. Sure. And uh, she she was very patient with me when one year turned into three. And I might have told a little white lie when I said one year because I <laughs> probably knew that wasn't going to happen. But we, we got through it. How about now, you, Jenny? Well, also real quick, when we first bought the schoolhouse, we were not planning on living in it. Mm-hmm. We were going to flip it like we had done many other times. But the more we did it and the more time we spent... We started thinking, ah, oh, this is this be a great place to retire, yeah. and so we started making it our own. That's why we added the second floor. That's why we put all the time and effort, and even took longer because we made it exactly what we wanted it to be. So I think just the fact that we did it together and made yet another memory was it yeah. was just just neat, just yeah, and, really. And the family that sold it to us, there were other folks that were um, interested in the property. Uh, a lot of people wanted to bulldoze it and build a new place, right? One of the reasons that they uh, decided to let us buy it was that they knew I was going to restore it and yeah. the schoolhouse would live on. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of the reasons we ended up with it. Do do any of those family members still live around here? Mm-hmm. Do they stop in and see it? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Rosemary Foyt is, is the lady that actually sold me the house. And she lives right here in town, has lived here a long time. So she stops by periodically and and checks up on on how things are going. She uh, She has two children who grew up with grandma and grandpa being in the house. So they, they both live out of state now, but when they're in town, they, they come by to see the yeah. what, what the latest uh, things yeah. been done on it. And they're appreciative that uh, that the schoolhouse is still there and, and all the memories they have there. Yeah, they have to be very thankful that they sold it to you. They knew you were going to take care of it. As we wrap up today's uh, podcast, I'm just curious, uh, do you have a vision for how the Lord can use this house now, once it's done, to bring him honor and glory? Jenny's desire has always been to be able to have folks over and to be able to entertain, and it was it was tough to do that in, in our old place just because just because of room. And we're hoping that uh, we can have uh, both you know friends and family and all that, but also open it up to folks that might have a need. Jenny's got a Bible study; they're going to be meeting there, uh, I think, next week, week after. Okay. And so, I guess our desire is we, we don't want to hoard it and have it all to ourselves. It's a uh, it's been a blessing to us. And we're hoping that that we continue while, while we own it, and then maybe someday, whoever the next owner is, yeah. will continue it. Absolutely. So, Mark, a fun, quick story. When we first um, started working on the schoolhouse, it originally, you know, a lot of schoolhouses have bell towers at the top. Yes. This one didn't. We think maybe it was because it was a black school. We don't know if they just didn't put the the money and effort into those. And so, Bob built a bell tower. So. It looks, it's glassed all around at the top, doesn't have a bell, but we're going to put, it's lit up. Back 31 years ago, when Bob and I were first, when we got married, the day we got married, just before they pronounced us husband and wife, our dads and our moms came up on stage and they they prayed with us and both the dads prayed. 
And I will never forget what my dad prayed that day. He prayed that our house and our home would be like a lighthouse and that it would draw people in just sharing the, the, the light of the gospel and just be kind of like a refuge in a in a harbor and a safe place. And I think we've tried to do that all of our years, but I thought it was so cool like to kind of actually see the bell tower almost look like a lighthouse and just think, yeah. okay, that's that's what dad meant and that's yeah. what we want it to be. And you know what, Jenny, in reality, that schoolhouse before you even took ownership was a lighthouse to some kids. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. My last question, and I want to, I'll use this to bring the conversation full circle. It's obvious that you've endured many long days on this project and you have persevered together as a couple. And with that in mind, I am reminded of the famous quote from the former Michigan head football coach, Bo Schembechler, who said, those who stay will be champions. (laughs) Bob and Jenny, you have stayed the course. And as a result, you are champions in the village of Cedarville and the university, Cedarville University, and in God's kingdom. Thank you for sharing your story with us today and helping us see just how you re- revitalized this local community through your work. And when you just see the impact and the lives that you have impacted and you will impact, how do you respond to that? I guess we're humbled. With Jenny's job, she has lots of contact with, with, with students who, right. you know, they're, they could be my kids. And just having uh, students over and being able to, uh, I, you know, just over to have a home cooked meal, little things that I know I appreciated when I was a student, yeah. and now we get the chance to do it. It's it's humbling uh, when they come over and thank us for it, and and they'll say it, it's kind of like being being back home. Yeah. So we we appreciate the opportunities because we are so close. We're blessed to be able to share with. Lots of uh, young people. You know, we hope we can have the health to do it for another 20, 30 years. We'll Absolutely. see what God gives us. Well, you guys are champions, and I want to thank, thank you, you for joining me uh, this week on the Cedarville Stories Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, Mark. Good to be with you. I want to thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories Podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory. <laughs>